Hey everyone, welcome back to Porcelain Peak. I'm your host, Anthony Perez, and, and as always, I am joined by... John Brasher. How's it going, man? Uh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there. Thanks for asking. All right, so this week we decided to shift gears a bit and start talking more about sci-fi. No. The... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Worked our sound effects for sci-fi. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, yeah. So what we plan on doing is jumping in and talking about different franchises that we like and what our influences have been with sci-fi. Since you guys know a lot about our horror stuff, we wanted to give you a feel for where we're at as far as science fiction goes. But before we do that, we were going to talk about some news. John, did you have any news that you wanted to share? Yeah, so the uh, next horror-ish release that's supposed to be coming out is Overlord. Uh, that's set to release at the time of recording this this Thursday, Friday territory. Um, and it's actually getting some really good early critical reviews. It, it's currently sitting at a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. It sounds like a really fun kind of zombie, zombie Nazi romp uh, with kind of an interesting spin on it. So I'm interested to see how this turns out. I'm hoping that I'll actually get to see it this week. So far, like I said, the, the critics are actually really enjoying it. That's funny because my news was also about Overlord, but different news. <laughs> so, cool. That's coming out in February, I think, last, this year when the Super Bowl was. They released Cloverfield 3. People were in, displeased yes. by that movie. And then there was immediate rumors that the fourth Cloverfield was already on its way, which was Overlord. Wow. So, those rumors have been banned. Dismissed. Yeah, dismissed. Abrams has come out and said that Cloverfield 4 is in the works, but it is not Overlord, and Cloverfield 4 is going to possibly be more of a true sequel in the franchise. Hmm. So I'm thinking part of the original, or maybe a branch of Cloverfield Lane. Either way, cool stuff. Yeah, definitely it has a little bit of that sci-fi and horror mix to it. Yeah, especially the second one. But yeah, I'm a big fan of at least the first two. Didn't love... Or really like that much uh, Cloverfield <laughs> Paradox. I'm glad that they decided to try and shift gears a little bit. But Overlord does look really cool. Yeah. World War II, zombies. Nazis. Yeah. Time it looks like up. it's got some sci-fi elements to it, too. Um, any other news that you wanted to add? I don't think I have anything off the top of my head, no. Yeah, me either. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> let's go ahead and jump right in. Like we said, we're going to talk about franchises and movies in the sci-fi genre that... We enjoy. So I'll go ahead and let you go first, John. I think my first real foray into science fiction, aside from just your kind of one-offs, was Star Wars. I mean, I think that that's common for a lot of people. Star Wars is super accessible, especially for our generation. It was something that, you know, it had several VHS trilogy releases when we were younger, and that was how I was how I was brought into that that franchise was through uh, the original release of the the trilogy in VHS. And so I was over at a friend's house. I think I was in either kindergarten or the first grade. And we sat, they got him that as a gift for his birthday. And so we sat down and we popped in A New Hope. And I was immediately floored. I was super sucked in. It was something that just, it, it spoke to me on a multitude of levels. I mean, as much as you really can for a very imaginative first grader, it was definitely something like, like, oh, this is the kind of stuff that I think about 
in my spare time, I didn't know that people made movies about that cool kind of stuff. And so we sat and we watched all three of the movies in one sitting. Whoa. That's a lot to say for a group of five and six-year-olds, you know. That's That's, a good chunk of time, too. Yeah. Immediately when I got home, I was like, Mom, I saw Star Wars. I want all of the things forever and ever and all all the time. (laughs) And it was just, it was a great introduction into that that type of film. And like I said, the original trilogy still stands as some of my favorite movies of all time. Most of them sit on my top 10 movies of all time. Like they are masterfully crafted, beautifully thought and like the way that the characters interact with each other. It's like you have this beautiful space opera, but you also have these characters with real motivations that exist in this world. And there's everything just feels so lived in and it just it has this really realistic feel for being something that's completely fantastical and ridiculous. And it was just something that I I really enjoyed and it was something that kind of sparked my interest in sci-fi in, in the first place. I know that Star Star Wars has a big impact on a lot of people. How when were you introduced to it and how did it make you feel when you first saw it? So I have an older brother. He's about 10 years older than I am. And so he grew up with Star Wars coming out. So he had a lot of memorabilia, and growing up, we would play with that stuff together. And so for me, Star Wars first was toys. And then when I got old enough, we would watch the movies. And so I enjoyed the movies as a kid. And when you're a kid, you know, you don't really take that stuff too seriously. Sounds like you may have, but for me, I didn't (laughs) really too much. And so I was always very much into the toys. And so I grew up with, you know, the big Darth Vader head that opens and Mm -hmm. houses all those little figures. The micro machines. Yeah. No, 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 full size. It was like, oh, like like a giant. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, old stuff. That's probably worth money now. I should probably dig it up. (laughs) But so I grew up like that. And I always liked them. I watched them with my uncle, who was very into sci-fi. So when the new ones came out, the prequel trilogy, I wasn't old enough to really differentiate between, like, good movies and bad movies, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when those came out, I didn't hate them. That's not the trilogy necessarily that I grew up with, and I know there are some people that did. Mm -hmm. But for me, they were just more entries in the Star Wars franchise. Looking back now, I can see why... They got a little bit of hate. You can see that you can definitely see the flaws and you can see the strings a little. And yeah. and the part that as an adult looking back on a lot of those situations, the part that hurts the most is that because those things came out, they all it they also went back and they altered a lot of things about the original trilogy. And for a long time I was really upset about that. It was something that like I felt like I was personally attacked. This this thing that was probably my first real, like, real, like, cinema love. You know, because the, I mean, up until that point, I was really into dinosaurs. <laughs> I was really into, <laughs> like, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, some comic books here and there. But for the most part, Star Wars was that first big thing that I latched onto. And I felt like when they released the special editions and when they went back and they did more re-edits and all these other... Little additions, you know, adding uh, Hayden Christensen to to the end of Return of the Jedi. Like, it was just something that I felt like I'd been stabbed in the chest, like, on the inside a little bit. Yeah. And it was, it took me a long time to come to terms with his, 
property, so it's also like kind of him trying to complete his vision, which unfortunately makes sense. You know, it's like it, you know, yeah, I don't like the things that they did to it, but I see what he was trying to accomplish. And part of that is that he created something that wasn't necessarily as accessible to kids, but inherently looked cool to kids because there's big explosions lightsaber fights, you know, all of these larger-than-life characters that have some things that are relatable to children, but there wasn't that element of slapstick. And I think that Jar Jar Binks and some of the edits that they did through the special editions was that first kind of, like, tiptoe into that slapstick territory. Uh, that was something that, like I said, depending on the movie, it was tough to deal with. You know, there are things that they've done in more recent movies that I felt like applied that better and was more accessible to a wide audience and not just to children. It was something, like I said, at that at that time in my life, I felt was unfortunate. I think a lot of people feel the same way as far as the edits that he made later on, because those movies were good. So there mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily a reason to go back and touch it. I feel like a case could be made if those movies were bad. Like, hey, let me try and fix them. Like with the a million cuts of Blade Runner. Yeah. But... The Star Wars movies were loved for what they were. So to me, it doesn't seem completely necessary for him doing what he's doing. But like you said, it's his thing. It's yeah. his project. He's the artist. You've got to kind of let him run with it. Yeah. As far as the newer stuff goes, I personally haven't been that big of a fan of the stuff that's been released recently. I don't know. Some of it feels like they're trying to make Star Wars movies. And they're not succeeding in making what they were. Like, they're trying to recapture something that they, and they're not able to. But I know that that's not the popular opinion. <laughs> I know a lot of people love them. I think that, that they're divisive. I think that, because, I mean, we're a 50 50 split in this room. You know, there are two of us. I thoroughly have enjoyed all of the releases up to this point. I mean,. Solo, I felt like had some had some some pretty heavy faults, uh, but I hot, hot take I will go on record. I loved the Last Jedi. I was completely floored. They they did a lot of really interesting things, and I feel like Kylo Ren is one of the most well developed characters in this universe in a long time. That was something that was important to me. You know, if you're going to have something that's a a pretty villain driven story that villain better be compelling and i feel like kylo ren is is definitely up to that task there are definitely some some things that i wish they didn't do and a lot of that does stem from like like you said they feel like they're trying to recreate they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle for a second time but by doing that they're trying to retrace too many steps it was one of the issues that you had with halloween was that there's a difference between an homage and a copy and I feel like there are some parts of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi that are a copy. And that part isn't something that I'm necessarily a huge fan of, but I see why they do it. It helps to drive the plot. I'm there for the new characters and the new stories, not necessarily here to pick apart, oh, they're blowing up another base. <laughs> oh, they're um, somebody dies at the end. Like it's, it, it is what it is for me. Yeah, and like you said, that's it's one of those things that's very divisive among fans, not really among critics. I think mm -hmm. they've all been pretty well 
reviewed except for maybe Solo. Yeah, Solo and was not very I think well. Rogue One was Rogue One was shaky as compared yeah. to the other two, but uh, it's definitely it's definitely still certified fresh. It's still yeah. a lot of people really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. It definitely isn't as complete as it could be. And I think some of that has to do with with some of like the reshoots and that sort of stuff, but it's not as it's not as reviled as Solo is. Yeah. Most people do not like Solo. And I and there are reasons for that. Solo is uh, of all the movies I've seen at least as far as the newer ones are concerned. Uh Solo is the one that I probably have given the lowest score to just because there are a lot of there are a lot of glaring issues and I think that the concept of taking a mysterious character and making him not mysterious and explaining away a lot of his backstory just sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't and for Solo it doesn't. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put that. But before we end up talking about Star Wars for the entire episode, (laughs) (laughs) which we could, I'm sure that you and I could have a good debate about how good and how not good those movies are. (laughs) Let's move on to some other movies or franchises that we love. One of my favorites, I own all of them, including the Tim Burton one, is Planet of the Apes. And I say the Tim Burton one because that's... I think people's least favorite of all of them. It's personally to me, it is a it is a ward on the franchise. <laughs> um, yeah, so I love those movies. I I grew up with the first one. I watched it, I think, on TV as a kid, or I got it at a blockbuster, which is in itself uh, <laughs> a foreign planet. <laughs> an aging statement for sure. Yes, definitely. And so I had grown up with the first one. Didn't really mess around with too many others. I watched two. And didn't get into the other ones until I got older. Saw the Burton one in theaters. And then they started making the newer ones. Which have been fantastic. Yeah, I love love them all. And so I'm a big fan of that franchise. I think it's an interesting idea. And I like what they did with it. And, I mean, Charlton Heston has one of the most famous movie quotes ever. uh, Several, actually. If you think back about... Across the entire film, there are there you know there's the ending, which oh. I don't want to I don't want to dig too much into into <laughs> you know the ending because it it is one of the biggest twists in cinema history. Yeah, it was something that when I watched it for the first time, I want to say it was about thirteen or fourteen when I watched it. It was something that caught me off guard. Like I was I was legitimately like excited by that. Yeah, you know it it's it's such a great storytelling mechanic and the way that it's executed. What I will say in in honor, I guess, or in defense of the Tim Burton one, I do like that he went practical with the apes. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people hate on them running on all fours, but I liked the way that they looked when they weren't doing that. Yeah. That was cool. And you don't get too much of that now, but, I mean, the Andy Serkis stuff looks so good yeah. that it's almost okay. Well, yeah, the way that... The way that they used motion capture, you still get so much of that realism, yeah. even if it is you know generated by a computer. the The biggest gripe that most people have, though, with the Tim Burton one is the twist ending for that one is definitely not as punchy. It's a little uh, campy, yeah, and comical. But I as mean, a kid, I was a kid. I was like, "That's cool." When when's the next one? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that's I mean, and camp a little campy and a little dark. That's you just described Tim Burton. Like that's just <laughs> how it is. Yeah. So I didn't hate that movie as a kid. 
and I have it now. And so I think it's just one of the things that I already have an affinity for it. So I, mm-hmm. I just accept that it's bad and I still like it. Before we get too much into Planet of the Apes, <laughs> what are some other ones on your list? And we could just – we don't have to go too much into them if you want to just throw a few out. Yeah. Well, I mean I think one of the biggest things – like I said, sci-fi is such a broad, broad term. Huge. There are so many things that are encapsulated in it. Obviously, you know, being being big horror fans, sci-fi horror is a huge part of that section. And you can't get away with having a conversation like this without talking about the Alien franchise. Oh, yeah. It's it's still one of the best. Alien came out a lot longer than you think it did. 78 or 79? Yeah. So that's, like, close to when Star Wars came out. Yeah. Like, that's... That's a long time ago. <laughs> and a lot of the effects still hold up today. The way that they played with the cast, it's similar to some of the things that they did with Texas Chainsaw. They didn't let the cast all the way in on some of the scares, and it made them so real and so visceral. And the practical effects that are used in that film are absolutely outstanding. And then they turn around and they reinvent the wheel with Aliens. It's not I, – I won't say that it's a better movie, but it is definitely up to par and a completely different genre. You get a sci-fi action horror, and you still have some of the little horror elements. The aliens are still terrifying, but you have these big bad heroes out there who are willing to stand in the front lines and take them out. And it's a completely different film while still feeling you know, somewhat the same. You lose some of the – confined territory and but you gain all this like large cast of characters strong you know characters that you you want to root for and i just feel like that that franchise while it has a few kind of weird turns it still still packs houses every time you put a movie out in the theater and that's for a reason there's still like even some of their you know their worst outings they still they still bring some cool things to the table, and it's still worth watching. Like I, I'll still watch Alien vs. Predator. I'll still watch Resurrection. I'll still watch Alien 3. <laughs> uh, Alien 3 actually gets a lot of hate, but it's not that bad. No. It's just you have Scott and Cameron like in their prime making movies, and then you have Fincher at the beginning of his career. If Fincher made that movie now, it'd probably hold up with the other ones just as well. Well, and on top of that... You don't even really get all of Fincher's vision. Yeah. I mean, that movie was chewed to hell by by the studio, and that's a disappointment because I'm sure there's stuff that was left on the cutting room floor that was gold. I would have sat through a three and a half hour long Alien 3 <laughs> I, in a heartbeat. I would have loved that, especially seeing the things that Fincher did with the later parts of his career. Yeah. Like what he's doing now. Yeah. He's got so many things that he's done. He's made his stamp on cinema, he has his own style that people emulate. Like, it's like you you can't take that away from somebody just because just because Alien 3 got, you know, beat up by the studio. True. I can't necessarily vouch for Resurrection because I haven't seen that since I was a kid. I just remember her playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> it's de- like I said, it's not as good as some of the other movies, but it like I said, there's still value there. And I was a huge fan of Prometheus when it came out. And I still love that movie. I think it's another divisive film, yeah. Yeah. 
But there's that scene when they cut her stomach open, and it's so intense. And I loved that scene. Yeah, I enjoyed Covenant as well. I wanted Covenant to be different. I wanted it to be a direct like continuation of Prometheus. Yeah. And it was just kind of a different story with some of the same characters. And that was fine. I mean, I still own the movie. And I don't buy movies unless I have to have them, you know. Or if they're part of a franchise, I guess. But I would be interested to sit down and watch that one again mm-hmm. to see how I really feel. I think one of the biggest things that I take away from the movies that we've listed up to this point is that they all have a different sense of their atmosphere. They, But atmosphere is a huge component for all of them. That's definitely just as important in sci-fi as it is in horror. So much so that they've been painstakingly trying to recreate these scenarios in video games even to try to get people interested. I want to say there's a Planet of the Apes video game. I'm pretty sure it's definitely not up to par with the with Alien Isolation or with or with some of the uh, better Star Wars franchise releases. The fact that that they try to put them into that medium, another level of immersion actually controlling a character. I think that 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 speaks volumes about the universes that were created in these. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of the movies that we're going to talk about are going to feature like their own type of atmosphere. So I'm just going to rattle off a couple of really big sci-fi ones that I love. Fifth Element. Classic. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you. I hated the Fifth <laughs> Element. <laughs> I love that movie. I quote that movie all the time. Anytime anyone eats chicken. Uh, some <laughs> other ones I really like. The Matrix. Grew up with those. Blew my mind. I even like two and three, so whatever. I think that they have some some definite qualities that that are worth worth keeping around. I just feel like the Wachowskis kind of kind of jumped the shark and didn't know where to go because it was kind of their first first time out, and it's similar to a problem that they had with uh, Lost with the writing on that one. They're like, oh, we went somewhere and now we don't know how to get back. There's definitely value in those movies. Yeah, and I think that like examining. The Matrix, now that the Wachowskis have become the Wachowski sisters, mm-hmm. and seeing what underlying themes take place in The Matrix that would relate to somebody feeling trapped in their own body, yeah, and how you can change that, I think looking at that movie through that lens would be super interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a lot more to that than we even realized, to make another layer on top of an already weird movie. <laughs> another good one. That kind of borders that horror sci-fi line, and I think it's a horror movie, but I've heard other people say it isn't, is the original Terminator. For me, I think it's horror. It's about a stalker trying to kill a girl. Yeah. Yes, he's a cybernetic organism, and yes, he's from the future, but still it has, it's just a sci-fi version of a slasher movie. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree that it has it definitely has some horror elements to it. I don't know if I would fully categorize it as a horror film, but it definitely has a lot of horror elements to it. And I think that a lot of the problem that people have with that type of a genre bend is that when you have a film that's as iconic in your series as Judgment Day, people always remember Judgment Day. True. So it's like if you quote things – from the first Terminator, or you say, oh, like, this is the reason why I feel like the Terminator is this, people will come at you with 
things from Judgment Day as their argument as to why it's not. And it's like, yeah, but Judgment Day is a completely different movie. It's like Alien and Aliens. Almost. Yeah. Although Cameron did do both the Terminator, they still feel different. Yes. I was reading recently that the T-1000, mm-hmm. since he is a shapeshifter, essentially, he uses different hands to shoot because it doesn't matter to him. He's not left-handed. He's not right-handed. He just is a robot. Wow. So, yeah. So if you watch the film, sometimes he'll shoot with his left hand. Sometimes he'll shoot with his right hand. And he's just as good because it doesn't make a difference to him. And that's it. Terminator, again, before we move on, is another one where there's a ton of movies. And there's supposed to be another one coming out now, a sixth one. And they haven't really said if it's going to be a remake or a reboot or a sequel or what's going on yet. I think Arnold's going to be involved in some way. But I know the last one, Genesis, didn't really give them the boost that they wanted for the franchise. So from what I've heard about this is that James Cameron went and saw Genesis. Was not a fan. Didn't like it. Didn't like the casting choices. Didn't like how things worked out. And he was like, okay. It's now about time to to uh, wipe the slate clean and get back to get back to the roots. So, from what I understand, this movie is supposed to get rid of uh, three on and pick up where Judgment Day left off. And are they thinking Furlong and? That would be interesting. I mean, I don't think that Edward Furlong's been in anything in a long time. The last thing I remember seeing him in is American History X. That's a long time ago. I know he did one of the Crow sequels. I mean... In an episode of, like, Criminal Minds, maybe, that, or something. Cr- yeah. Criminal NCI CSI order. order. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that would be cool. I think that, I mean, his role in that movie is iconic. Again, that's one of those ones where I, I liked all of them except Genesis, really. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a big fan of that one, but I like Salvation. Some other movies, some other cool sci-fi ones, for me anyway, uh, the Mad Max franchise. Yeah, definitely. Um, not a huge fan of three, but one and two are cool. And Fury Road is amazing. Yeah. Just to touch on it a little tiny bit, the use of practical effects and shots, it shows. Most movies where you go super CGI heavy and you don't, focus in on your characters and allow them to breathe and breathe real air and live real life. It just doesn't work as well in most cases. Yeah. So that's another franchise. I like what are, what are some of the sci-fi ones? Just rattle a couple off if you want that you're into like that aren't necessarily massive franchises, I guess, or even if they are. So you mentioned one of them already, uh, Blade Runner. Mm. Now Blade Runner, it, it's a slow burn. It is one of the slowest series, I mean, if you call it two movies a series. Up to this point, as far as sci-fi is concerned, it is a very slow burn. But, man, is it worth every last drop. It oozes with style and atmosphere. And it builds this gritty, disgusting world with this level of like majesty and beauty to it as well. And it just... It's well acted, well cast, has some of the best lines in all of cinema, and man, is it it's just so beautiful to look at. It's one of those movies, and I mentioned it earlier, that has a ton of cuts. Mm. I remember watching it years ago, before there was even a hint of a, a two, and I saw the cut where Harrison Ford narrates, 
all of it, mm. <laughs> basically. And I hated it. Yes. I was like, dude, what? Why do people love this movie? It's awful. Yeah, it... I, I definitely agree with that. It didn't make any sense to me yeah. why this was so revered because that was the first one that I saw. And it took me revisiting and seeing the ultimate cut for me to be like, all right, I'm 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 on board for this. And then 2049 was just – it was breathtaking. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's the, the one that came out in 2007 is the, the one that really Scott actually came back and did. Mm-hmm. And, that yeah, that one's great. And that one really makes you feel for it. And then what I like, too, about that movie is that for so long people were uncertain whether or not he was... A replicant. A yeah. replicant, yes. Uh, Decker. And the idea of that, having built on that for so long and then waiting all that time for a sequel. And then the sequel finally comes out. And then it builds on that idea of what it means to be human and what it means to be a replicant even more, I thought was masterclass dude yeah and the the speech at the end about tears and rain that was improvised right it was completely improvised and it it was one of those things that caught me off guard because i didn't know it was coming and i i like i found out about the the fact that it was improvised after i saw the movie like i like i wanted to know more Mm -hmm. and it was just it was such a beautiful scene and a beautiful sentiment, and like it's so applicable to real life. It's really, really jarring to then go watch The Hitcher and be like, oh my god, that's the same guy. <laughs> He's actually in a show I'm watching right now called Channel Zero, mm. and the third season is called Butcher's Block, mm. and he's in it. And I was like, hey, that's my guy. And he is, it's more along the lines of Hitcher. Yeah. And his terms in that role. Yeah, in the original, in the original Hitcher, he is terrifying another another big one for me it's another really 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 slow burn 2001 a space odyssey yes that movie that's one of those ones where it's like if you're into sci-fi you gotta see this movie and so i finally did after you know forever the special effects for that time for that movie are still amazing Mm -hmm. like if a movie came out now and had those same special effects I would still think it looked great. Yeah. It amazes me that they did that in the 70s, right? Yes. It birthed the space program. They wanted to reach out to the stars because of that film. That film had such a huge impact. It brought legitimate sci-fi things into our real life. People have landed on the moon. I mean, come on. It's The impact of that movie can't be overstated. It created a lot of... A lot of the fantastic elements and a lot of the over-the-top atmosphere that you get from a lot of space, space-based space uh, sci-fi. And I think that that's, that's definitely, like I said, worth mentioning. It is a long watch, and it feels long. But, man, there's always something to see. It's candy on the screens at all times. And there's like ten minutes of just color. <laughs> yeah. And then the ending is a little weird. So I sat down with somebody once and we hashed out and he, well, basically he talked at me, (laughs) but he explained to me what everything meant and how it all made sense. And I wish that I would have recorded that conversation because (laughs) I had such a moment of clarity and then instantly forgot it. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe we could do an episode where we just sit down and dissect 2001. Yeah. Because... 
Yeah, I mean, he like I said, he explained it to me so well that I was like, oh, that's what all that means. And it was it was beautiful. It was brilliant. Well, yeah, I mean, and uh, Stanley Kubrick has done so many amazing things with his career. It's sad that we don't have him anymore. I mean, and he really picked and chose his spots. And anytime he made a movie, it was a revolution, save for maybe Eyes Wide Shut. I like that movie, though. It's a, it's a great movie. It's, it's <laughs> weird. Yeah, it's very weird, but it, it's it's not 2001, it's not The Shining, it's not A Clockwork Orange, you know, it doesn't it's not Full Metal Jacket. It's like he would just be like, "Oh, there's a genre. I want to make a movie." And then he would make the best movie in that genre <laughs> like by a country mile at the time. Yeah. And that was just how it was. That was what he did, you know. I mean, that's part of the reason why The Shining is still revered as one of the best horror movies of all time because it was just incredible. So one thing that I definitely wanted to bring up about sci-fi, you know, we've talked a little bit about how vast that genre is. There's there's an elephant in the room. It's the biggest the biggest cornerstone of of entertainment at this point in time. And that is comic book movies. Comic books are sci-fi. That is just how it is. They have their own genre at this point, but they are they are sci-fi. People have strange powers. People come from distant planets. And it's, it's sci-fi. It's, it's not something that's based in reality. It's science fiction. That's exactly what it is. And while a lot of these movies are, are fluff as compared to some of the really heady science fiction movies like like 2001 like blade runner you know they definitely have their place i love them you know i love them from completely different reasons that i love something like 2001 i don't go in expecting to to th- have to think a lot you know i go in excited to see the things that i read as a kid be something on screen and be cool and be you know depicted by people who are you know perfectly casted for their roles but like you said, I do think that at this point now, it is its own subgenre. Yeah. Or it's just genre in, in general. Well, I mean, and, and a perfect example for me is uh, Watchmen. So if you look at Watchmen, it, it feels so similar to something like Blade Runner, where it has that really dark and gritty feel to it. Nobody but, uh, but Dr. Manhattan is super ridiculous or over the top. Everybody else is just kind of has a a thing, but nothing is like so ridiculous and over the top that it makes you think, oh, this isn't like something that could be possible. Cool. So I'm just going to rattle some off and we won't have to talk about them, but just some other sci-fi ones that mm-hmm. I love. And if you want to do the same, then we'll just go back and forth with it. So, you know, my love for David Bowie. So the man who fell to earth mm. is one of my favorites. Super eight. Love super eight. Yeah. Moon, the one that David Bowie's son did, <laughs> coincidentally. <laughs> District 9, love District 9. Jurassic Park. Mm, I was going to uh, bring up Jurassic Park. Recent one, Arrival, loved Arrival. Um, I talked about it on one of the previous episodes from October, Annihilation. Yes, that one too. That one's great. And I, I don't know if I told you, I got all three books, went and bought them after yeah, we had nice, our conversation. Nice. And so I'm looking forward to diving into those. And then last one I'll mention, and then you can rattle some off, um, Back to the Future. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that's that's another another element that that changed a lot of the way that people look at sci-fi is adding a comedy element. You know, it's 
that's the reason why sci-fi can be so broad is that there's so much. There's so much to do. There are so many different little stories you can tell. And the way that they branch into these different territories just it adds another layer to things. Yeah, so then what we want to do now is talk a little bit about why we like that stuff. So I know for me, it's kind of like what you were just saying where there are so many different elements. So sci-fi is not going to get stale because it keeps changing and there are so many things that could be – it could be about apes taking over or it could be about space or it could be very grounded and I think a big example of the different types of sci-fi you can get comes along with one of my favorites within the Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. where you get episodes that are horrific, but you get a lot of episodes that have to do with space, or then you get a lot of episodes that have to do with supernatural stuff. So for me, Twilight Zone would be a perfect example of the amalgamation of what sci-fi is and can be. And I think that... that- the modern take on that would be something like Black Mirror. Yeah, where exactly. It's an anthology series, but I mean you're almost getting like a mini movie and it has all these different elements and everything has kind of – I mean with both of those franchises, they definitely have kind of a creepy overtone mm-hmm. in any situation. But the creep level is turned up to 11 in some situations and it's very minimal in others. Uh, but it just has so much, so much value because you don't – you're not – stuck with a ridiculous runtime you don't have to meet an hour and a half you don't have to meet two hours you can make it as long as you want but you can tell a complete story and you yeah. can say exactly what you want to say to get the right impact and i feel like that's why both of those both of those series work so well because of that yeah they both really encapsulate what it means to be something that's science fiction mm-hmm. you know where you are like you said it's creepy you get episodes of black mirror like metalhead where this person's getting changed chased by a metallic dog and it's black and white and it's weird and it feels like an episode of twilight zone and then you get other ones like san judo Perro that is science fiction but also just so much emotion and heart and that reminds me of like her or something like that where you're getting emotion with sci-fi elements thrown in that's what i love about the genre is that it brings a lot of stuff together and it's similar to horror in that way where there's so many subgenres of horror that you never get stale. So if you, oh, I'm tired of watching home invasion movies, I'm going to go watch ghost movies. Yeah. And now I'm tired of watching ghost movies, I'm going to go watch slasher movies. And sci-fi is the same, where if you don't want to watch a space movie, you can you can watch something like Back to the Future. That's not space. It, is a, it is a time travel element. Yeah, so it's it comedy. Yeah, it's an additional component as well. Um, and going back to what you said about about Twilight Zone, the amount of tension that can be packed into an episode of one of these shows is perfectly encapsulated by um, the most recent season of Black Mirror's opening episode, the USS Callister. Oh, man. That that episode is some of the most tense television I've ever watched in my entire life. It, is, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. And for being such a an interesting concept, I mean, it's essentially about VR gaming, but it has this additional level of of terror but it's all packed into this really compelling story and i i highly suggest watching it if you haven't seen it already it's definitely something like i said you could you can get so many things even on revisiting the episode there are so many little details you can pick up because basically what it equates to is like a vr game 
that's based on a series that's basically just Star Trek. Yeah. And man, it just it is it's so punchy and so poignant and it just has so many little layers you can dig at. Yeah, I agree. That episode was one of the better ones from the last season. For me, that show doesn't really have any down points. I really like every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, my least favorite would be just the very, very first episode. Yeah. And that's the most, or I guess the least fantastical of all of them. But again, you know, that has to do with technology a lot too. And that now is what we are plagued by, I guess, is technology. Whereas something like the Twilight Zone, their stuff takes a lot from space mm-hmm. and with bombs and stuff like that because that's what that generation had to deal with. Yeah, it just it has it takes the ability to take a legitimate fear from society and play with it, to play with your fear, play with your emotions and and that's why I feel like sci-fi and and specifically sci-fi horror especially in like these anthology series, why they work so well is because they're made in a quicker turnaround time and they can they can talk about and play with people's fears and emotions. Another show that I feel like is it's not so much a cult classic anymore. It is it is definitely a mainstream thing, but it used to be a cult classic for a long time and is able to do a lot of these things but also tell you crazy stories about like people from history and have all these ridiculous bouncing timelines. Doctor Who Doctor Who is a huge cornerstone of sci-fi, and it's the longest-running show on British television for a reason. I do feel like there have been some ups and some downs as far as that series is concerned, and I don't feel like that takes away from it as a whole. So many things take take inspiration from Doctor Who, and it's for like I said, it's for a good reason. The Doctor as a character itself is so strong and it gives the ability for each actor that plays the doctor to put his or her own spin on how they feel the character should interact with the world and the universe and all these crazy monsters and dealing with you know like there are some episodes about van gogh and there there are all these like crazy historical like uh, figures that have these little sci-fi spins to them because of doctor who and i feel like while that show can be crazy and ridiculous and over the top, they can also hit you with blink. And that episode is one of the scariest episodes of television I've ever watched. Oh, the with the angels, right? Oh yeah. my god, the weeping angels are one of the one of the best. Sometimes best I just go and watch that episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I uh, I used to watch that one. I haven't watched it really since Capaldi took over. I saw a couple of his episodes. But after that, I kind of fell out of it. Not anything against him. Mm-hmm. I just kind of fell out of the show in general. Well, and everybody has their doctor. Uh, mine, personally, is Matt Smith. I know a lot of people are very, very big David Tennant people. Um, I liked David Tennant a lot, but Matt Smith just had this like childlike wonder about him, and I was something that I was able to connect with. He was a very loving doctor, and I think that part of that is also because... In my opinion, he had two of the best companions of all time as well with with Amy Pond and Rory. Yeah. I feel like they their story was one of the best stories ever told in that in that franchise. And it like there's still scenes that like even if I just think about them, I start to get choked up and I start to get emotional. And it just 
there's so many different ways a sci-fi movie can impact you. And I feel like that's one of the big differences between sci-fi and horror is that with a straight-up horror movie, there isn't a lot of impact that they can get you with in one way or another depending on what they're doing. There are some movies now that definitely buck that trend. Train to Busan is one of them. But most of the time, they're trying to scare you. They're trying to play with a particular subset of your emotions where sci-fi has the entire gamut. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. And you are getting that with sci-fi where you can leave hopeful or you can leave scared or you can leave happy or you can leave sad. I mean, there are definitely sad sci-fi movies. And I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I want all of the experiences. Like I said, if you can bring me something that plays with plays with our emotions, is novel, and just has you know has a really good atmosphere and something that you can really sink your teeth into. It. And like I said, it doesn't have to be space. It doesn't have to be ridiculous, over the top things. Like I said, it could be you know just something that has a little sci-fi flair to it. I mean, uh, look at movies like Ten Cloverfield Lane, like. Most of the most of the tension that's brought from that movie is just a few people in a in a room, and listen, that's another movie where you can where you can you can leave a certain you know feeling a certain emotion, uh, but it doesn't have to constantly be being barraged with these giant over the top monsters or you know floating out into space or ending like Interstellar where like you're on a crazy space station where now that's planet Earth. <laughs> you know, it's sci-fi just does so much for me. And, and for me too. And, and I will say that I love the horror genre more, mm. but I feel like sci-fi does more for me typically emotionally. And it still gives me those pieces of horror that I like, but without the, the terror. I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think for me that I, I have a, a pr- I'd say I have a pretty even connection with both. Yeah. Uh, but the big reason why is because sci-fi I just have a, an older connection with. You know, it is more more nostalgic for me because, like I said, I can I can clearly remember my first introductions to the genre. And, and it's a lot more accessible. Yeah, definitely. You can watch Twilight Zone as a kid and may or may not be scared. Like you know, I, I mean, I grew up with that stuff. I mean, I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. like Twilight Zone, like that, like reruns or the '80s one and. Mm-hmm. Never the the Force Whitaker one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep bringing me cool things. I'll keep I'll keep buying tickets. You know, <laughs> I and like I said, there. You know, I I know we'll probably talk about you know sci-fi and horror in other mediums at some point in time. You know, digging a little bit more into things like TV, into books, into video games. But as far as film is concerned, like I said, you can do so much with just a snapshot and. Being able to create, like I said, create something novel and something new is so difficult in a world where everyone's making something. And I'm surprised at how many good things that we still get to this day. And I, I, like I said, it's something that I appreciate. It's something I look forward to. You know, we we sit and we watch cool trailers for things and hope they turn out great. And <laughs> and. I'm, like I said, I'm ready for, for more movies. Keep bringing me stuff, and, and we'll keep watching them. All right. Well, with that being said, then that's going to be the end of it for this week, guys. As always, I want to thank you for listening, and we would appreciate it if you went ahead and rated, reviewed, and subscribed, so that way you never miss an episode. If you want more from Porcelain Peak, 
Go ahead and visit us at wordsforweirdos.com slash porcelainpeak. And you can catch us on Instagram at wordsforweirdos. And uh, again, thanks for listening. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. A high-performed alpha network production.